sitting down for the podcast a little earlier this week, and we'll explain why in a minute. What is the malted liquor? What gets you drunk or quicker? What comes in bottles or in cans? Beer. Can't get enough of it. Beer. How we really love it. Beer. Makes me think I'm a man. Beer. I could kiss and hug it, Beer. but I'd rather chuck it. Beer. Cut my belly out to here. I could not refuse it. Beer. I could really use it. Beer, beer, beer. Beer, 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 beer. I can't remember how much I have had. I drank a 12-pack with my dad. That's my son, the drunken manly stud. I'm proud to be his bud. Here, have some pretzels. No, I'll call it quits. Those things give me the schlitz. <laughs> Drink with your family. Drink it with your friends. Drink till you're fat. Stomach distends. Beer is liquid bread. It's good for you. We like to drink till we spew. We sing once more. What is the malted liquor? What gets you drunk or quicker? What comes in bottles or in cans? Can't get enough of it. How we really love it. Makes me think I'm a man. I could kiss and hug it, but I'd rather chug it. Got my belly out to here. Golly, I adore it. Come on, damn it, pour it. Do it for me. Brew it for me. Feed it to me. Speed it to me. The most wonderful drink in the world. Welcome, guys. It is. It's actually Wednesday, October third. I thought about recording this today and then posting it up on Friday and acting like it was Friday and all that. But if I did that. Whatever happens tomorrow won't be on the podcast and you'll catch you'll you'll catch me on it. You'll call me out on it. And it's dis, it's you know, it's disingenuous. It's not right and we're not going to do it. Um I'm recording the podcast today because on Friday my wife has scheduled literally every possible thing that there is to schedule under the sun. I got uh, a, a maintenance man coming in to do just a routine checkup on the washer. Um, wow, I just said she booked it up and I named one thing and now I'm blanking on everything else. I actually, I have a dentist appointment at like 9.30 in the morning or whatever and it's been forever since I've been to the dentist. Forever. So I am both really looking forward to Friday because I'll finally get, you know, a dental examination and get things lined up for work that I need done because I do need work done. But I'm also loathing it because it's going to the dentist and nobody actually likes going to the dentist. It sucks. That's just facts. Okay, I can't remember one joyful dentist appointment that I ever went to, period. Period. Sorry, Joe Biden is infused in me now. I mean, you know, if you if you listen to the program, you know I'm a Delawarean. I've said it before. So I've had to live through Joe Biden not only being a senator here, a long-time senator here, but also the vice president, which, you know, Delaware doesn't have too much it can be prideful of. For real. <laughs> when Delaware starts listing off the things that make us cool, or rather, let me... The things that people here think make us cool. Let's qualify it like that. It's always the same, like, five things. Uh, so, if right, like right now, it'd be like, oh, Ryan Felipe, I think, has, like, a house down at the beaches in Delaware. So, so people go, oh, yeah, Ryan Felipe lives here. And then they go, oh, yeah, Aubrey Plaza. She's so weird and she's so Delaware. And, oh, yeah, Joe Biden, he was vice president, man. That makes us awesome, doesn't it? 
And then there was one other thing too, like what it just escaped my head. The other thing that Delaware constant. Oh yeah, we were the first state. That's right. Yeah, we were first to ratify the Constitution. But if you look at our freedom ranking on the freedom scale, we actually ain't that great. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Okay, so that triggered this in my head. The other thing that we brag about as Delawareans all the time is, "Ha, huh, we don't have sales tax like these other states." That was that's you know it's so great living in Delaware because of the because of the no sales tax. Are you kidding me? Delaware is so great because of the no sales tax. Delaware has this no sales tax thing, and yeah, you know, okay, I get it. Fritz, you're Fritzcast. You're 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 that independent libertarianish guy that's supposed to be saying taxation is theft. And I often do say the taxation is theft, especially income taxation, because income taxation is just the government taking money out of your paycheck. Can you believe that? Because you bust your butt at work, the government can just garnish your your, your wages automatically like this is what you this is the price we determine that you are able to pay to live in this civilized society that we have constructed which by the way if you watch any like if you've watched our government lately um civilized society ha <laughs> so but in any case sales tax delawareans brag about Oh, we don't have to pay sales tax. Small, small victory, except the fact that there's no sales tax means that the other taxes have, in fact, an increase in them. Uh, Whereas the sales tax is like, you know, you buy $50 or whatever, maybe, uh, maybe a couple extra bucks gets tacked onto your bill or, or, or what have you. Whereas, you know, we had John Carney, we had John Carney vehemently against legalizing marijuana here in Delaware. This was the oddest thing that happened in the Delaware 2016 elections. You had John Carney, the Democrat running with the blessing of, you know, Jack Markell and all the other Delaware Democrats. It's it's literally like they just pick the next person that's going to run in Delaware and they just stick with the people that. These like these are the people that we're running with. They're here. Get used to it. That kind of thing. That's why Tom Carper has been senator since uh, 2001 and is poised for this election coming up. These midterm elections, he's poised to win again, which in my book is just ridiculous. Uh, Tom Carper has no business being in our Senate anymore, but that's beside the point. John Carney running against the Republican. Uh, let me let me clean the slate this for you. I know I've talked about it on the program before, but you might be a first-time listener. You may have forgotten. There's lots of freaking episodes. So let's just go over it real quick. During the debate, d- during the 2016 gubernatorial debates of Delaware, for, for, gov- for governor, gubern- gubernatorial, duh, that gives it away, we had a candidate talking about how Legalizing marijuana probably wasn't the right step. There was still more to see. And let's have Delaware wait. Let's not have Delaware be a leader in this category. Let's just wait and see what happens. Let's get the details from Colorado and Seattle and all that. That was what one candidate said. The other candidate said, you know what? I think that uh, we absolutely should legalize it. 
and we should tax it because that's revenue that the state could have to offset its budget crisis because the state was facing a budget crisis. Now, which candidate, which which side of the political spectrums do you think those arguments fell under? Do you think that the one against marijuana was the Republican and the one saying that it should be legalized and taxed was the Democrat? Eh, Wrong. John Carney, the Democrat, said, no, we really shouldn't legalize marijuana. It's a bad idea. And the other candidate, the Republican candidate, Colin Benini, is the one that said, yeah, I think that uh, we've seen it enough. This is a trend that's going on in the nation. Delaware is clearly already not a leader in this category. It's a follower. But we might as well legalize this stuff. There's no point in locking people up for it. We can legalize it. We can tax it. We have a huge budget deficit because we mishandle our money. And if we legalize and, and tax this, we can offset that probably that was that was baffling to me to hear a republican come out and say yeah let's let's uh, let's legalize it but guess what colin benini probably only got like 30% of the vote only 30% so i can't believe i went on that tangent just mentioning joe biden's name and by the way i would vote for that clip of joe biden to be president right now that Clarence Thomas clip. I mean, I'm sure I, I don't, I'm sure I don't need to play it at this point anymore. I'm sure everybody's heard it over again, but it was the clip that he had during the Clarence Thomas Thomas hearings when he was committee chairman, and he said the FBI explicitly does not, in this or any other case, reach a conclusion. That one, I would vote for that clip of Joe Biden as president. I don't care. I don't care who you are. I would not Joe Biden. I wouldn't vote for Joe Biden. I would vote for that clip of Joe Biden. Just let that clip be president for the next four years and just play it over and over and over again. Just just that clip. Now, of course, uh, of course, Biden's name is now creeping up in the 2020 election talks, but. I mean, the Democrats, at this point right now, I would say the Democratic Party has no idea where it's going with the presidency because you got got Cory Booker that is uh, just grandstanding every moment he can get on a camera right now, throwing it out there that, you know, he's probably going to run 2020. Uh, And I mean, literally, every time Cory Booker's on a camera, I I, I can hardly stand him because... Of the hypocrisy that comes out of that man and, and his mouth, and the disingenuousness and and his his ridiculous flaunting and seeking his you know oh this is as close as the I am Spartacus moment as I'm going to get when it was nothing but fifteen twenty minutes of wasted time trying to make yourself look significant like you're doing something significant when you weren't. Like, I just can't, I can't even with that. And that's kind of what, like, these hearings with the Kavanaugh business have been uh, as of late. The FBI investigation uh, on this matter with the allegations of of Christine Blasey Ford and Brett Kavanaugh, the FBI investigation closed last night. In fact, Tuesday night it closed. Uh, And as you know, it was... (laughs) As you know, it was just opened. It was opened and closed because he's been investigated by the FBI over, it was like five or six times now. 
And so, you know, seventh or eighth or ninth time is a charm. Um, the, the thing with the hearings, and I've gone back and I've watched, I've watched countless questioning footage. Uh, thank God I didn't sit down and watch the whole thing. Anybody that sat down and watched the whole thing, I don't know whether to say more power to you or to tell you now that you are nuttier than squirrel crap. Like, I really don't know what to tell you. Because it was hours long. And how can you sit through hours and hours of them questioning this man about stuff from high school? I mean, literally. That let, Let's just break for a minute. Because I, I think I've reiterated my stance a, a few times now on the Ford Kavanaugh story. And I, I believe I've told people there is a nice medium approach that you can have to it of number one, Kavanaugh probably did stupid crap in high school because a lot of people do stupid crap in high school. Fortunately, I'm one of the people that can sit. Like if you called me into the, into a freaking grand questioning session of Senate about what I did in high school. I'm that person that can sit there and say, I never drank beer. I never smoked pot. Uh, and I wasn't going around and having sex because I was a freaking Mormon. I was a nerdy, fat, pudgy bastard that was quiet, shy, self-centered and reserved. I was part of a very, very strict religion that does not allow drinking, that does not allow the consumption of any kind of drugs, smoking, doesn't allow sexual sexual exploration of, of literally any kind before you're married. And I could go on a tirade about all of that stuff. But I was that kid that followed it. I was child number eight. I had prime examples ahead of me of what not to do to keep your head ducked low and not have your parents mad at you. Granted, I only had to worry about one parent because my dad kicked the bucket when I was like four. So he wasn't he wasn't in the picture to not get angry, but I knew enough what to not you know what not to do to piss my mom off. I knew enough of that. I seen it, and I had this I had the war stories. So I wasn't a dumb kid, but drinking, smoking, partying, having uh, you know sex with everybody under the sun. Didn't happen for me. I had a very boring childhood in, in in terms of that. If we're talking about if the excitement level of childhood is, is, is how much you're doing all of that stuff. Boring. Okay, you're, you're talking to a guy that used to go to church for three hours every Sunday. You're talking to a guy that went through... It, it's pretty regimented in the Mormon church. I was given the priesthood at age 12. 
which is it's almost like automatic. It's not like something like, hey, do you want the priesthood or whatever? Oh, no, you get the priesthood. They have an interview with you. Hey, guess what? You're worthy. Boom, priesthood. So at age 12, I was ordained with the with the Aaronic priesthood. So at age 12 in Mormonism, I was a deacon. At age 14, I was a teacher. At age 16, I was a priest. Now, it's very different. Like, you might hear those words and be thinking Catholicism or some other religion. It, it doesn't break down the same way in, in Mormonism, in the LDS church. It's a little different. But I was all those things. I was the kid blessing sacrament and passing it out to the congregation. And then I was a priest in the Mormon church, which did the same thing, blessed the sacrament. The deacons passed the sacrament. The priest blessed the sacrament. So if you went to church on Sundays, there was a good to fair chance you were hearing my voice say our uh, sacramental blessing. That was that that was my childhood. I don't know where I went wrong in life now because I'm an agnostic person. I, I, I carry a lot of the same principles and pillars of Mormonism, but I drink and I have a cigar occasionally and uh and I I'm foul mouthed, but that comes from working in the prison. Uh because I talk to a lot of people who talk in street jargon and stuff. And even six years of that and some of that I still don't understand. So, But that's what I mean. Growing up in high school, I saw tons of examples of people doing stupid stuff. Because you're kids. You literally are kids and you're stupid. And you do stupid things... Depending on what kind of upbringing you had and how you decided to experience those things. So we can, you know, we can dive into did Brett Kavanaugh like to drink a lot of beer and all that. A lot of freaking people, including those people wearing suits and ties and dress suits... A lot of the people doing the questioning did those very same things. I just want to throw that out there. I just want to establish that. A lot of people stupidly drank. A lot of people partied way too hard. A lot of people smoked pot, but I did not inhale. Whatever. Somebody inhaled something, and now you're finally getting flack for it. Uh, but whatever. And it, it's it's really making me wonder. Like, granted, Christine Ford. I've already said I believe she had this experience or a similar one, and that it quite possibly wasn't Kavanaugh. I've said it. And people can cite Kavanaugh's demeanor at the hearing. That's fine, too. I mean, Kavanaugh did have blow-up moments. And maybe Kavanaugh, when he approached this, should have been a little more calm 
a little more mild-mannered and said something along the lines like I'm saying now where you saw people doing stupid things, people did stupid things, and literally, you know, maybe maybe you come out and you say, uh, listen, I did drink a lot. I don't believe I ever drank to the point of passing out, but I did drink a lot. It's possible because we were at a party and drinking a lot that uh, some clothes were coming off or people wanted to get a little frisky and maybe things went too far and it's inexcusable, but it's also 35 years ago in the past and I can't change it. Might have gone a little bit better. Possibly. But it almost doesn't matter. And but but parts of me are just wondering, like, is this going to be part of the screening process for your future now, your potential future? Do we now have to tell our children growing up, hey, don't make like like be very cautious in not making even a stupid little mistake because you could one day end up in front of the uh, grand hearings on the Senate floor where they will ask you how many beers you could shotgun in a night. Which, by the way, the answer is, I don't shotgun beer. I try to kick back and enjoy them. That's my answer. My other answer is also, if whiskey's available, I'm going for the whiskey. That's all it is. I mean, like, it's not like you can really dive into drinking. Like, do you consume alcoholic beverages? Shut the hell up. Like, all of you freaking do. Ruth Bader Ginsburg came out this week and said that she was nodding off during Obama's final speech because the Supreme Court justices went out, had dinner, and indulged in some drinking. And when she, when I read that article, when I read that article, I couldn't help but think about the chamber, the great hall in which these Supreme Court justices sit and deliberate. And I could just imagine it being like a tough case and one of them just pulling out a six-pack, cracking it open, drinking, and they just going into this drunken stupor. Of, but if you look at if you look at the third paragraph in, in the Constitution, uh, the third word says government. So we can do whatever we want. I don't know. I don't know. But... Is this is is this where we're coming to? I mean, like people are arguing right now. Last night, some story broke that one of Christine Ford's ex-boyfriends saw her coach somebody in regards to a polygraph test. I'm serious about this. This, I mean, this isn't something I'm pulling out of my arse here. All right, this is this is for real. A story that broke last night. Now, uh. For all for all I can tell, this this gentleman's name has not been released, but this is the statement that he released last night that leaked. Uh, I'm just gonna read it. I blank am a current resident of California. I first met Christine Blasey, now Doctor Christine Blasey Ford, in 1989 or 1990 in California. From 90 to 91, I was just friends with Ford. From approximately 92 to 98, I was in a relationship with Doctor Ford. I found her truthful and maintained no animus towards her. During our time dating, Dr. Ford never brought up anything regarding her experience as a victim of sexual assault, harassment, or misconduct. Dr. Ford never mentioned Brett Kavanaugh. Break, real quick. Pause. 
when it comes to a woman experiencing uh, sexual assault or rape or things of that nature, I don't expect that that information to come right on out um, all willy-nilly and and crap. Even in getting a close relationship with somebody, it might not come out exactly. I know of people... There's been people in my life... I'm not going to go into names or relationship status with these people, but I've known people in my life who did not come out with such information of that nature uh, for quite a while. For quite a while. It has nothing to do with whether nobody's really entitled to get that information from somebody in a relationship status. Nobody's really like, it's not, you're not entitled to get somebody's experience, even if you're dating them or or even if you're married to them, um, per se. It's one of those weird things. I'm going to say, like, pretty sure I know everything about my wife now. Pretty sure she knows everything about me, but you know, I, I'm not going to chalk up the fact that he was never told about anything that that means anything. Continuing in this letter, quote, During some of the time we were dating, Dr. Ford lived with Monica L. McLean, who I understood to be her lifelong best friend. During that time, it was my understanding that McLean was interviewing for jobs with the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office. I witnessed Dr. Ford help McLean prepare for a potential polygraph exam. Dr. Ford explained in detail what to do. Correction. Dr. Ford explained in detail what to expect, how polygraphs worked, and helped McLean become familiar and less nervous about the exam. Dr. Ford was able to help because of her background in psychology. Dr. Ford and I lived together while we were dating and stayed together in a long-distance relationship when Dr. Ford moved to Hawaii sometime around 1998. Although I am not sure of the particular year, and it might have been a a bit earlier or later. While visiting Ford in Hawaii, we traveled around to the Hawaiian Islands, including one time on a propeller plane. Dr. Ford never indicated a fear of flying. To the best of my recollection, Dr. Ford never expressed a fear of closed quarters, tight spaces, or places with only one exit. I assisted Dr. Ford with finding a place to live in blank California. She ended up living in a very small 500 square feet house with one door. Uh, Despite trying to maintain a long distance relationship, I ended the relationship once I discovered that Dr. Ford was unfaithful while living in Hawaii. After the breakup, I took her off the credit card we shared. But nearly one year later, I noticed Dr. Ford had been charging the card and charged about $600 worth of merchandise. When confronted, Dr. Ford said she did not use the card but later admitted to the use after I threatened to involve fraud prevention. Now for the closer. I didn't speak again to Ford until about 2002 when Ford contacted me briefly. After that, I hadn't thought much about her until I saw the story in the Washington Post on Sunday, September 16th, 2018. I do not want to become involved in this process or current investigation, but wanted to be truthful about what I know, signed blank. Now, other than the fact that his name is scrubbed out of this, you don't want to get involved in the investigation, but you're going to put out this information anyway? 
What is your angle? What is your angle? Doesn't make any sense. But let's go to the home run point. The polygraph. Oh, she knows how to beat a polygraph. She has a degree in psychology. She's well known in the field of psychology. She helped her friend beat a polygraph examination. People want to point at the polygraph that she took. Look, she even took a polygraph, man, to back up her claims. She took a polygraph. Will Will Kavanaugh take a polygraph? Let's break a minute from that. You all do know that polygraphs are inadmissible in court, correct? You all know that, right? You all know that time and again, polygraphs have been <gasps> disputable. What? No. No, the truth box proves it. The truth box proves it. Listen, my father, who was a World War II veteran, and then 20, 25, 30 years on the police force, I don't even know how long. Mom, help me out. Mom, how long was dad a cop? I don't know. My dad did polygraphs. I don't know what his thoughts and feelings on polygraphs were. I really don't. But also in his time, the polygraph was, you know, a thing. It was a generally accepted thing. Whereas today, we can look at polygraphs time and again and figure out, oh, you know, people can beat polygraphs. Easy peasy. Or polygraphs give false readings because you hook up a bunch of crap to somebody and then they get nervous because they have all this crap hooked up to them. And then you're asking them like really awkward, random, off-the-wall questions. But I think, that's a, I think that's a problem in society. Everybody wanted to say, after Ford came forward, they wanted to throw the polygraph in there to add legitimacy. Like, she took a polygraph. And the polygraph backs up her statements. Well, the polygraph isn't a truth box, number one. But number two... We can't use it in criminal cases in court. So what? why? Why do you even care about a polygraph? If the, the, When the polygraph first got mentioned, everybody should have said, you know what, polygraphs are bullshit. Polygraphs are bullshit, let's not even talk about it. Let alone the fact that Dr. Ford didn't know if she paid for the polygraph or if somebody else did. It's weird. It's also weird that you would take a polygraph about this stuff Immediately after going to, what, your grandmother's funeral? That's weird. That's really weird. I, I can't imagine in a day going to a funeral to get closure on my family and then going to take a polygraph. Even in the next day. I, put, I wouldn't be taking a polygraph for probably like a week. If that. And no, you know what? In fact, I wouldn't be taking a polygraph at all because polygraphs are bullshit. That's what that's that's why I wouldn't take a polygraph. Polygraphs are inadmissible in court. There's very rare cases where both sides can agree that they're willing to have a polygraph submitted as evidence, but even then it is rare that a court will allow a polygraph because they're just too damn inconsistent. Polygraphs, the only thing that polygraphs are used for anymore, and this is really baffling to me, the only thing that polygraphs are used for now is for law enforcement jobs. 
You want a law enforcement job, you have to take a polygraph and you have to pass. But they're not admissible in court? Always baffled me. Always baffled me. I didn't have to take a polygraph to get the job that I'm in. But a lot of other related fields, you do. You have to take the polygraph. Despite the fact that they have no legal standing whatsoever. And that any result of a polygraph is absolutely 100% disputable. And I don't know why people aren't coming out. And this is with respect to Dr. Ford. I believe Dr. Ford had this experience. I don't think having this... I don't believe anybody should have to have these experiences in life. I really don't. I find sexually related matters... When it comes to that, when it comes to violating somebody's sexuality, their personhood, it's really an attack on their personhood. I find them deplorable. I do. And if Dr. Ford went through it, that's, that's bad. It's bad. And I'm willing to give her that. But everybody else should be looking at this and saying, listen, so she took a polycraft. Who cares? Because it doesn't, it doesn't back anything up. Because then we're getting into arguments, well, why would you take a polygraph if you were lying anyway? Because you can beat a polygraph. Because polygraphs are bullshit. Not only did Penn and Teller cover that in bullshit, but your pal Adam ruins everything. He had a big episode on how polycrafts are bullshit. If there's one takeaway that I've had in the past week, it's that you guys are all stupid because you're you're willing to argue about polygraphs now. Will Brett Kavanaugh take the polygraph? It doesn't matter that Christine Ford took the polygraph. Because it's just paper at this point. Is that is that where we stand now? Oh, man, I cannot wait. Man, one day on the Senate floor, there will be hearings where they're like, we uh, we went to the NSA and we pulled your internet history and we found an awful lot of awkward porn. So let's discuss this at length in alphabetical order. Swear to God. Swear to God it's going to happen. And when it does happen... I'll tell you where you can cut the checks. Now, that being said, this is, there's a lot of implications that are going to happen in the next month for the 2018 midterm elections. And it, it's going to have a big impact on this. Now, I believe that everything that's going on right now is an attempt to stall any nomination of Brett Kavanaugh until after the midterm elections, which, I note, Take a note right there. I did not say that that the investigations against him were bullshit. I didn't say that. As it stands right now, I believe the evidence lines up to suggest that he was not the alleged assaulter in that case against Ford. And that Ford did have that experience and it was somebody else who did it. <clears throat> It's been years, you know, it's been 35 years or whatever, but 
in terms of actual justice being done, there's no justice to be had. We've we've had that discussion. The 2018 midterms are going to have an impact on this. It, like, say, for example, if the Democrats win the House. I believe that they can win the House and probably will win the House. The Senate, eh, not so much. Probably. Not so much probably. Kavanaugh, I've like I feel like I've been Kavanaugh'd out. I've had some I've consumed so much Kavanaugh media that I've blacked out. I'm willing to admit it. But I've already said I believe this I, I believe in terms of Kavanaugh becoming Supreme Court that that's a kinda out the window. And that Donald Trump, if he doesn't have a backup plan, well, he's stupid if he doesn't have a backup plan. I'd have that in place. Glenn Beck was talking about Mike Lee. I think that's a little extreme. Uh, I mean, he had good points in bringing up Mike Mike Lee's name because of his experience in law, the fact that he's a sitting senator. He's had FBI investigations done on him just for his position in the government and and all that jazz, and that he's known in the Senate, that people already know him. Um. But in any case, I think Kavanaugh's seat's done. All right? The public damage is done. The public opinion is what it is. I, it doesn't matter how much I can stand up and say, you know, it, and it's not a criminal case or prosecution. It's not. You're right. I think there's less validity if he doesn't get the Supreme Court nomination, but they don't do something about him sitting as a judge presently. I think that would be very telling because, oh, you you don't want him on the Supreme Court, but you don't mind if he's District Court of Appeals, such and such, whatever. It, it doesn't make sense in my mind. Maybe maybe somebody could present to me a sensible situation where that doesn't happen, but I don't, in my mind, it, it doesn't make sense that you would block his Supreme Court nomination, but be A-OK with where he's at. Or that you would just concede that he's there and you don't want to ruin his life. So he keeps his other cushy job or whatever. But his his Supreme Court nomination, court of public opinion, the way things work now, you fire something off, the first initial stories of the stuff take off like hotcakes, and the damage is done. Is what it is. Not condoning it, not saying that that's the way this world should work, but it is what it is. So I don't think we're looking at Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. If if it does happen, I will actually be surprised. <clears throat> I will be surprised. But this is what, mind you, I said midterm elections and all this. This is stuff that's going on right now that could affect the midterm elections. This was Donald Trump at a rally yesterday. What he's going through, 36 years ago, this happened. I had one beer, right? I had one beer. Well, do you think it was... Nope, it was one beer. Oh, good. How did you get home? I don't remember. How did you get there? I don't remember. Where is the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What neighborhood was it in? I don't know. Where's the house? I don't know. Upstairs, downstairs, where was it? I don't know. But I had one beer. That's the only thing I remember. And a man's life is in tatters. A man's life is shattered. His wife is shattered. His daughters, who are beautiful, incredible, 
young kids. They destroy people. They want to destroy people. These are really evil people. If you want to get a leg up and not give Democrats fuel for the fire, shut that man up. Shut that man up. Because that is a prime example of why people so extremely will go to the left. Because at the end of the day, how can you just defend or justify that bullshit from the president of the United States? Guys, that's going to do it for FritzCast for this week. I know it's coming up early. It's on a Wednesday, but it is what it is. I'm working with what I got here, okay? So, do me a favor. Like this, share this, comment on it. Give me a review on iTunes, man. Somebody just gave me like a four or five star review. I felt proud of that moment, man. Felt proud of that. That somebody would give me five stars. I'm Joe Schmo from Delaware doing a podcast. Just ranting about my thoughts. Literally. And somebody was like, I like this. I enjoy this. But wow. Baffles my mind. Follow me on Twitter at FritzQS on the Twitter. F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S FritzCast Podcast at gmail.com For any of your FritzCast inquiries I'm on wordpress.com FritzCast.wordpress.com 71 Republic I contribute to Check out the guys at 71 Republic Facebook.com Slash the FritzCast Minds.com Slash the FritzCast And My YouTube page My YouTube page Let me break real quick Last week I went to Colonial Pennsylvania Plantation. Cool little farm up in PA. They had a Civil War skirmish. Now, there was no battle that happened there at Colonial Pennsylvania Farm or or Plantation. There was no battle that happened there, but they got a ton of Civil War reenactors to come out and do a skirmish. Just, you know, lines of battle and, and, and have a battle over the farm. And you got to get up close and personal with it. It was really cool. I recorded all the video from it. Um, it was like a 40-minute affair of these guys fighting with each other. It's adults LARPing to history. I mean, <laughs> but uh, I recorded it on my cell phone, which records in 4K. I didn't even know that. And the video is amazing. It's on the YouTube page. Uh, so go on to YouTube and search for uh, FritzCast Podcast. You'll find the YouTube channel you can watch. I think I uploaded five or six uh, little little videos, like maybe you know a couple minutes long here here and there of the battle. Uh, check check it out; it was cool. Um, and I love that stuff. I'll talk more about reenacting and, and historical crap later, but uh, check that out. And guys, thanks for listening. I love you all, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>